Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. All right, Lowell's is back after a little bye week last week. We got lots to discuss. Of course, the crypto meltdown with FTX and SBF. We have breaking news in the DraftKings MMA streets. They're now allowing late swap. We'll see how Brian feels about that. And of course, it's Thursday, which means we do have to build a total shipper. Thursday night football showdown winning lineup all today on Lowell's. Does he think... I it's think he thinks go. this. He thinks this is a go. Vegas Dave thinks this is a go. Hot naked girls doing yoga. What? Why don't you just win like a man? Random.org. <laughs> Type in one for yes, two for no. And let the DFS gods pick for you. And I'm absolutely begging you not to do bus. <laughs> Please don't do bus. Brian, we weren't able to record last week. I had something come up at the last minute, but uh, I feel like we've had many lulzy things happen in uh, in these two weeks we've been off. Yeah, uh, the rare missed lulz episode. I know. for For years, we had just an epic undefeated streak, and you know yeah. it's taken a few hits over the over the coming months. What are you gonna do? And honestly, like we're our schedule is going to be, I mean, next Thursday is Thanksgiving, so we're yep. not going to have a show. And then the following Thursday is my baby's due date. So, oh, okay. uh, yeah, it might, uh, might be a bit of a lulls winter here, uh, coming. All up, right. So you got to soak it up while you can, I guess. Good point. Yeah. You, well, there's something, some things are more important even than lulls, Pete, believe it or not. I mean, it's hard to believe, uh, you know, I tried to tell my wife that, if, if I asked her if she could get an Uber to the hospital because I had to do lulls uh, on <laughs> December 1st, and uh, she didn't uh, like that idea. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Um, you did uh, – I, I don't think – I think I have a little bit left. You did a marathon podcast with Davis over on the Take Cast, my guy uh, Dangy Wing, of course, Nate Noling from the Gill Cast. Um, where, where are you at? I obviously heard some of your takes on there, but I feel like this event is one – you know, it's kind of a black swanish type event, but one that I feel like you've hinted at of that makes you afraid about holding crypto in like the short and midterm. Is this like the exact kind of situation that you're worried about bringing legislation down? Yeah, I mean, clearly, right? Like, I mean, I don't think that's a hot take, but apparently uh, some people disagree with that. I think it's clearly uh, the inciting incident or one of the many inciting incidents that they're going to use the one, one of the reasons why it might not be though, is because he seems to kind of be this media darling and they're soft peddling him in the New York times, et cetera, um, compared to other people. So maybe, maybe they won't, maybe they really like him and they're not going to make an example out of him. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure, but it's a pretty, it's, it's, I mean, it, it's not Coinbase going down bad, which would be right. Yeah, really that bad. would be the end. Yeah. That would be the end for a long time. That you'd be buying yeah twenty dollar Bitcoin again. Yeah, <clears throat> which I probably would. <laughs> yeah, but um, it's not. It's not definitely not good. And I don't know if you've read anything today on it. Like, um, there's even more reporting of his uh, charitable donations or whatever. Yeah, I mean he's like in the five hundred million dollar plus range of giving yeah. away money. Um, and, uh, you know, it's not his obviously. Right. And so he's, he was just giving away customer dollars, maybe not in his head. Who knows? I mean, um, someone had, did you see that someone had a tweet today? Uh, like one of the games he plays, he like never achieved a certain level and he's played all the time. And they're like, maybe this is evidence. The guy's just an idiot. <laughs> I'm like maybe if you play a video game like constantly, you're obsessed with it. Like there's stories like he would go into these pitch meetings and just be on his, you know, game, just gaming, and they're impressed by this for some reason. Right. And they give him, 
they give them two hundred million dollars. But if you're playing video games that much and you stink, like eh, you probably shouldn't be running that business. <laughs> I don't know. It it does make it hard to untangle, right? Because this is a guy who was deified by the media, by crypto communities. Like it, you know, I think that's a natural thing. Like we want to celebrate these, you know, guys that we think are savants, you know, in ways like in the same way we do with kind of Vitalik and stuff too. But it is now hard to know like how much of you know. Clearly, this guy was smart, right? Like he did build up a war chest with that arbitrage trading but now it just there's so much stuff that now comes it into doubt knowing how many people he had in his pocket you even see like the journalists over at vox who are writing articles about him and he like literally was funding their effective altruism vertical and stuff and that it just brings into question like what was real about this dude and actually how sharp was he uh, Vox was trying to play damage control. They released a bunch of DMs and stuff that he had I with them. Release the DMs, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is pretty shady journalism. Uh, unless but, it, unless that was the intention, was to have those leaked. Yeah. Oh, yeah, maybe. I, I mean, you know, you're just talking about it's nice to have these young guys to like, you know, look up to or whatever. It's like uh, same thing with Elon ten yeah. years ago, but they don't like him anymore. Why? You know, why would they write a story shitty about Elon, but soft pedal this guy? I mean, it's clearly because money's getting changed hands. He's funding some of these uh, charitable foundations they like, media they like, and the Democratic Party, the Democratic uh, PACs, and things like that that his mom runs. And it's clear bias. I mean, the, I mean, is it like 13 million now? Estimate is 13 billion. I'm sorry. Billion, uh, yeah. Cause it was like 8 billion. I think now they're estimating like 13 billion. And the guy who's overseeing the bankruptcy is like calling it just clear fraud. I'm not, I mean, I'm not an expert here. <laughs> not financial advice. Don't, don't sue me, bro, but go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I keep seeing today, like people supposed posting screenshots of DMS with, SBF and like they always seem like vaguely fake to me is this guy really just like talking candidly in DMs with all these random people right now or are you buying these where he was like the the one I saw was he said he had like two weeks to raise eight billion presumably saying like his agreement is if he can get the eight billion back like he's he's off the hook like is he actually doing this I, I would assume his his lawyers and advisors would say shut up and don't say anything to anyone right now yeah yeah, you would think he's like an oblivious fraud. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I, I think it's going to be. And it sucks because he's so well connected. You know, like his dad is a big regulator, who's like Elizabeth Warren mentioned in some of her speeches. And so, like, it sucks. It's, that means it's going to take longer to get to the bottom, if yeah. we ever do. Um, I mentioned this on the Take Cast. Um, and I'm pretty sure everyone on Thinkcast said it was true too. They hired the ultimate bet accountant on FTX. FTX hired this guy, and he's part of this. And, and for people who don't know that, it was a big poker scandal in 2000. Um, what what year was that? 2008, maybe 2009, when the cheating happened. I know everything goes down in 2011, but yeah. some, somewhere around there. Anyways, they hired this guy. It's like you. Know, out of all the people in the world, it's like this guy's like single-handedly trying to ruin my life. I mean, when you when you think about like the the cocktail of ingredients that SBF had, like it makes sense how he turned into just like the biggest like fraud scammer in that you have a, a guy that's smart who quickly amassed wealth who knows he has the safety net of all of these political connections and all of this stuff. He'd clearly been setting this up, cozying up with these guys for a long time. Like he, he felt invincible. He felt like he could, he, there was nothing that could get him in trouble. One that he was in God mode, literally built a back door out of the FTX system to play with these funds. It's almost that he's just like laughing. Like he was the spoiled, smart, rich kid who, you know, woke up on third base and thought he hit a triple. And, now he is finally having his moment of reckoning and the reckoning probably won't even be that bad. God. I mean, we checked the odds. I don't, I don't know if they've changed on that uh, Polygon or whatever the gambling site. And he was like 28% chance of prison time. Uh, I don't know if it's changed and I'm assuming those markets are pretty small. Yeah. But isn't that seem insane? Like uh, what was his name? The Izzy, the MMA fighter. Um, Adesanya, who got who lost over the weekend, 
Did you see he got arrested for because he had bare he had uh, you know, brass knuckles in his yeah in his luggage, and I guess that's illegal in New York. And he got arrested. So like this guy's getting arrested for brass knuckles, right? But you know you embezzle thirteen million or thirteen billion, and you know you just got to know the right people, and you'll be fine. Have the Republicans made this a talking point yet? Like how much he was in bed with the Democratic Party, or late? Are they just like too dumb to even understand like how this crypto stuff works to not even want to bother with it? I think he gave money to Mitt Romney too. Um, I okay. might be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure he gave to a couple of Republicans as well. Um, but like, I mean, this is you know my take is I don't think there's a big difference between a lot of Republicans and Democrats, anyways. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I I wonder somebody's probably going to hop on it for sure. Um, I'm trying to think who would. I mean, I'm I'm guessing like the Romney. The Romneyites won't say anything. Maybe like Rand Paul, somebody like that. Um, there's not a huge, there's not a ton of Bitcoiners in Congress, unfortunately. It's bad for us. But somebody you figure would say something. They, but they, you know, they, they, they don't know anything about technology. <laughs> they, don't, they don't know anything about this stuff. They don't know anything about I gambling. Feel like- in the right hands, though, it would be a really good talking point to bandy about. And, you know, if you wanted to paint a lot of those guys, it's like you guys saddled up with a guy who was responsible for one of the biggest, you know, collapses that we've ever seen in, in financial markets. That Scott says in the chat here, Marjorie Taylor Greene, I could see that. Um, I could see I could see Tucker Carlson doing a piece on it, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jim, Jim Jordan. Yeah, Jim, yeah, maybe. Yeah. What yeah. so how for you personally with your crypto stuff, were you uh dumping your coins? Are you sitting on your hands? Like what what are you doing in practicality? I oh as soon as that story leaked, I almost sold everything. And of course, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. And then I mean, what's the uh what's the bias, Pete? Yeah, you guys probably know. Um you know, the loss bias or the oh, sunk cost fallacy. So like, okay, if I was going to sell at 20, it was almost 22 that day when I was going to sell and now it's 15 or whatever. It's like, well, I already just lost seven. I might as well just stick with it. Yeah. Just from 60, whatever down to this. Well, my thing too, like the way I think about it and I've always been like this with my, with my Bitcoin is just, I'm not a trader. Um, I'm not going to be able to time this stuff. Like everything's a super long hold anyway. So like, I'm not playing the game. Like I I'm sitting on my hands. I've, this was always like a 10, 15 year, 20, whatever, uh, time horizon you want to put on it. So I, I will say I'm a little surprised that it hasn't even tanked further. Like if you told me on paper, everything that happened, I'd be like, we're at like three K Bitcoin right now. I, I said the same thing to my brother in DMS the other day. I'm like, yeah, I'm surprised it's not lower. Yeah, it's pretty. I, I I kind of understand ETH because so much of it's staked, and the people can't get out. I can't get out. I'm staked in a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of makes sense. I could see that. Like if they unstake randomly, I could see that dropping. But it's true. It's it's actually held up, and it was for a moment there before the controversy. It was decoupling from some of the stock market, big stock market drops over the last couple months. You know, not you know not perfectly. But better than before, where it was like 0.9 R or whatever, which is always a, a sign, something I look into. So, but I mean, it's kind of like exploitive play, you know, versus GTO. Like, if you know that it's going to drop, even though you care 15 years down the road, you might as well sell it and then buy it when it drops, right? I mean, like, if, right. if we know there's going to be some huge regulations that's going to drop it and you know someone on the inside or something, you should probably sell and then buy. I guess that would be illegal. Don't do that. But um, if you did know anyone, you had good intuition. Um, but, yeah, I didn't I didn't sell any. I, I was really considering it. I logged in. I logged in. I was looking at it, and then I went and did something, and then I came back. It was down three grand from there, and I'm like, ah, fuck it. Sunk cost. Yeah. I, I was fortunate. I had definitely, I think probably last year and when like the bull was like kicking off, maybe in like April or May, I had a decent chunk in, in the Gemini earn stuff just as like, I already had some money there, just like let it get there. And then at some point I was like, this feels like, you know, what's the saying, picking uh, pennies up in the middle of the highway. And so I took it out of the earn 
And then when this stuff kicked in, uh, I think it was like a week ago, I finally took all of my stuff off of Gemini, mm. um, obviously feeling very, very good about that. And it was like a nice, you know, you kind of appreciate that reminder. You get complacent. And again, it's such a cliche, not your keys, not your coins. This really, really illustrated it in a very real way of what that means. <laughs> yeah. And I did the same thing, um, except I left money on some of the ones because I'm staked. Yeah. But I got off all the small ones, like Gemini and Kraken. Uh, like what other ones? Like they BlockFi, oh, Crypto.com. BlockFi's done, right? We yep. pretty much Crypto.com. I would say is probably next on the chopping block if something's going under. Kraken, then Gemini. I'm just guessing here. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, if we start getting there, oof. I mean, you might want to sell. I mean, if that shit starts happening, I don't care about 15 years. And like my bull case for 15 years, I talked about this on the pod too, is kind of changed a little bit to like we have to find a way to uh, get kind of like, I don't know, the internet or something, more of like a Trojan horse where people don't even know they're using TCP IP or whatever the protocol is called, Mm -hmm. right? It's just they're just using it where somehow Bitcoin just has to be, you know, everyone's just using it and they don't know it mm-hmm. as opposed to everyone wanting it. Where before right. I always thought there was a chance people would kind of like, Oh, understand the federal reserve is printing all this money. Why, you know, let's have, let's take the money out of the control of a centralized entity, the government. And everyone knows the arguments for Bitcoin. Uh, I just don't think that is realistic anymore. I don't think people care. Um, Really, the, the majority of people, I think they don't care. And whenever a story comes out, like like SBF, they'll 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 paint it however they want to paint it, and the majority of people will believe whatever they say. So, like now, they'll probably think SBF's not that bad if they read the New York Times. But if they did the opposite thing, they'll like Elon. They'll think he's the worst. They'll just believe whatever they write. And so, if if they go after Bitcoin, it could really it could really fuck us up. And I don't think people are just going to come to this epiphany that like Bitcoin maxes have. I just don't think that's realistic. I think the the only path is it just becomes ubiquitous in people's everyday lives. and They don't even know they're using it kind of something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, Ace will talk about like the Gemini stuff. So yeah. So it was their, uh, the firm they were using for their yield farming stuff or whatever, the Genesis, that was the one that I think is in trouble right now, but their stuff, but if you were using their earn program, I believe withdrawals are still halted, uh, for that stuff there. Um, but yeah, Gemini theoretically still has the the funds back, but I don't know. It starts to bring it into question <laughs> for sure. A lot of, Bitcoin influencers, influencers taking a L, huh? Like Papliano, um, just like a lot of those YouTube investment bro guys yeah. um, who pumped FTX. There's a lot of them. Well, and because, and I mean, the whole thing with FTX and, and two with, you mentioned those influencers is like, there was a sense of like safety of like, this is regulated. This is, you know, this isn't just the wild west of crypto. Like they're answering, you fucking see Tom Brady slapped on the side of a billboard. It gives you trust. That's the whole fucking reason they make that PR play. Oh, if Tom's into it, it has to be fine. Uh, and I think to the same extent, like I had that trap with the block folio. Like the, my one casualty through all of this is I had that block folio credit card that I would use for stuff and get um, Bitcoin rewards in. Cause I was just like, you know, my cash back rewards are pretty shitty over here. I'll just get some Bitcoin rewards instead. And so I have like, you know, $300 of BTC rewards locked up now on Blockfolio. But there was a sense of trust in that. Like, hey, this is a Visa, you know, credit card here affiliated through Blockfolio. What could go wrong? Um, I think we all got lulled into a false sense of trust with a lot of this stuff, the yields included. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't give the influencers much of a pass as you. I mean, I know you're an influencer, but you're not giving them. I'm not giving them a pass. Oh, okay. Because like, I think it's okay for you to be fooled a little bit more than a guy who's like getting, you know, 50% of their ad revenue from BlockFi or FTX and they're 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 a self-described financial expert like they should like look into it a little more right like 
Well, it's it's gross because like for people who don't like, I assume most people know how this works. Uh, these guys had big affiliate deals with these exchanges, and depending on how the relationship is set up, a lot of them are getting a percentage of like net market spend that people put on these exchanges. So they're heavily incentivized to get people on and using them. And these guys were probably making like I've heard some insane numbers. Like some of these guys were making like legit like up six upwards six figures a month just because if you get a few whales on there that are heavily using that and you're getting a cut of all their trades. So of course these guys are going to be blasting these links out nonstop. Do they actually give a shit what's going on behind the scenes? How above board it is? No, they're fucking cashing checks every month. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, that's probably, that's probably most likely what happened. Maybe like some of them were like fooled. I mean, it, it's possible. They showed them like false documents on where they kept the money and stuff like that. But yeah. I doubt it. They were probably just cashing, cashing big checks. And I mean, Pete, I mean, $600,000, you dump a, dump a truckload of money in someone's driveway. And it's like, you know, FTX is, that's not that bad. Uh, Maybe yeah. you should invest in it. It's that's a big carrot. And it's crazy to think like it was I mean, these guys were in their mind pushing reputable exchanges. You want to talk about, I mean, anyone who was around and what was it? Oh, 017 when we got the first altcoin like pump. I mean, the amount, and I, I always remember this because Doug Polk was covering it very closely on his YouTube channel back then. But I mean the amount of the five altcoins that'll send you to the moon stuff. I mean, like talk about some predatory shit out there and they kind of get away with it in a bull market. I, I guess I don't know what's worse. Like, you know, pushing random shit coins uh, or actually pushing people to exchanges where their money might not be safe. You know, I'll make one more point that I said on the take cast, but I, we did two hours. So you guys should still check it out if you're interested. Yeah. And it's that the, the, that's another issue with the FCC and a lot of government regulatory bodies is they give a false sense of security to everyday Joe's like us and people in the chat who don't have time to research this stuff. And they just assume it's regulated because this entity's out there. Right. And, and yeah. the, the fact is even, you know, I made a prediction on the show, like we'll be back in five years or 10 years doing a pod after it gets regulated, a completely regulated company has another Enron FTX like scandal because they don't know how to regulate these industries. They don't, you know, Chuck Grassley and fucking Diana, Fe Diane Feinstein do not know how Bitcoin works or how it should be regulated. They don't, right. And the people who make the rules are the, are the, are the companies that capture those regulatory bodies and they, and they make those rules to the benefit of themselves. And so not only does it not, not work, it gives regular folks a false sense of security. Um, so I just hate the whole fucking process. And we've been saying on this show, Pete, for a couple of years that this day was coming. It still hasn't somehow. Uh, they still haven't really come cracking down on regulation. But uh, yeah, I think you got to see it soon here. I know. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely coming. I mean, we you know how slow they are with all of that stuff. I mean, you even see how it goes down for like the tax reporting stuff. Like anyone who was you know trading NFTs last year know how the infrastructure for even reporting that stuff like basically didn't exist. Like the what do they say the the wheels of justice move slowly. Like this stuff is going to take so long to develop, but like it's coming, right? It's just a it's just a matter of when. Uh, Paul says, so sad, no drunk lols, drunk Thanksgiving <laughs> streams were a treat last year. Well, Brian is invited. We haven't even reached out to anyone yet, uh, but we're going to do our Wednesday ship chasing, uh, sh drunk stream. So Brian, I say you, uh, swing by for that one on, on yeah, Wednesday I could probably night. probably do that actually. A little crossover over there. All right. Should we yeah. do MMA now? Yeah. Let's, uh. Let's talk about this for anyone who didn't see MMA, which used to just have your regular one lock time uh, whenever the first fight started. They've now moved to a late swap scenario. I still don't know the exact mechanics, Brian, of how it's going to work the window between there, but this is a pretty massive shift for what this means as far as playing MMA on DraftKings. Yeah, so it's going to be just like NBA. This is my understanding. Any fighter that hasn't fought yet, you will be able to switch your lineups. You won't see any ownership um, of those fighters till the fight happened, uh, till the fight happens, and it'll be exactly like MMA. Um, I I hate it. 
I hate that. I hate that they're doing the full switch where they, they could have done so many middle ground solutions, but they probably would have taken more coding. Um, I, I would rather just had nothing for sure, personally. Um, for people who don't know, but in like DFS, late swap always helps the expert players more than the casuals, but they make these changes to satisfy casuals who complain when their fighters get ruled out. And that doesn't even happen that often in MMA. Like it happens more, I would say, in PGA. Um, so, uh, you know, of all the, you know, in-between solutions, like just open it up if a fighter does get ruled out, don't show the ownership, something like that, or like a, a an alternate, or just like in, in tennis, they give like points to the person who didn't withdraw. You know, they could do that. So, and, you know, just, you know, a litany of ideas you could do. And they, they chose the, the worst one. Yeah. And just so if people are wondering, like, you can, uh, not that I don't think either of us agree with it, but you can put yourself in DraftKings shoes and know that they are getting lit up with incredibly angry people who build one lineup, you know, on their phone and just want to sweat that out. And then that guy scratch and they're tilting their goddamn face off because they put money in and now their guy isn't there. So that's what they're dealing with. That's why this happened. Obviously those people don't understand why this is bad for them. It does seem like you said, like a tech thing, like underdog has their battle Royale drafts. You do a ton of them and you can set your ranks for who you would want. If the guy is scratched, if you draft Mark Andrews this week and he doesn't go, if you don't set anything, they'll just give you the top available tight end who wasn't taken in that draft, or you can rearrange it yourself and say, Hey, I want Isaiah likely here, his backup. If he doesn't go like, I don't know why they couldn't just have some solution like that. Either you get the next best fighter who's below that salary, or you have some kind of alternate thing. To me, that's the solution. Then they don't tilt their face off. You have some control over setting your alternate fighter or whatever. And then the casual players aren't getting screwed by the opto bros. (laughs) Yeah, I, I would think I, I think it was because they don't want to recode anything. Like I, that's my only guess. I don't. It's like ah, oh, that's going to take a lot of work. But we can just turn on the late swap functionality that we have in multiple other sports. Okay, yeah. just do that. I, I, I would get. I don't know. I, I, I think it's the, pretty much what you said. Where they get ninety five percent of the people are casuals complaining about this 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 issue. And they go, and those 95%, you know, only 4% of those will realize they're getting screwed by late swap, this late swap. So who cares? Let's just do it. Even though it's not helping them, they don't know it. So we'll get less yeah. customer emails. And they're they're losing me because I'm the top, I would say I'm playing about like every other Saturday. If I have like a chill Saturday afternoon, I'll make lineups, uh, toss them in. Like I'm not, I'm not playing now. Like I have my one day a week on Sundays where I hawk my lineups all day. I do late swap for my Sunday teams. Like that's enough. Like that's draining as is. I'm not fucking doing that on a Saturday night, especially if you're MMEing too. I guess I would ask you, Brian, you are one of the people that actually is fully capable of taking advantage of this, exploiting it, realizing your edge. One, are you going to do that? It sounds like regardless though, you wish this wouldn't have happened. So you could just run your stuff, sit back, have a few beers and enjoy your Saturday evening. Yeah. I wish they would take it back. Or switch to something else. Um, uh, I mean, I still haven't decided. I think the first week you could probably do just some manual stuff. I doubt anyone's going to be set up for it. Or maybe some people will. Some psychos out there will be set up for it. I, I might stop the. I might stop playing the five five five. Um, I think it hurts you more. This is my opinion. It hurts you more in the um, smaller fields. Uh, in the larger fields, um, I don't think it's the end of the world. Uh, it still sucks, don't get me wrong. But in the smaller fields, you definitely could really put the screws to people who aren't paying attention. You know, just like a simple example where you're you're going into the last fight, you're behind a guy, and he has like enough sal- salary for Izzy Adesanya, the fav- clear favorite. Well, you could just take Piera, uh, Pereira you know, yeah. the dog and just, you know, and then, and then there's like, and then if you get really complicated, that's when you can start doing the game theory stuff where you just play a mixed strategy of sometimes you take Izzy and sometimes you take rare cause they can, so they won't take advantage of you. Um, but 
the 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 more you you spread out that those those um uh you know what whatever gto head-to-head comparisons and you start adding in multiple multiple opponents it's a lot harder to compute and figure out what the right move is and a lot of times there's enough combinations where it doesn't even matter that much um but like if you know you could just do some simple stuff like if you had a really like i had that what was his name graziano whatever like italian named fighter at the lowest stone this weekend six percent and i am in like almost 40 percent of my lineups well then I, I could switch all those to kind of more chalky probably go and look at those things like that um this is if you're doing it by hand it's it's actually worse than nba because if it's a 14 game slate it's I was like gonna say hours longer nba's from six to nine real america time right that's pretty much it. Maybe 9.30. And wouldn't you say, like, of all the sports, the way, like, the stop-start nature to, like, the information coming in for each fight as it builds up, like, the late swap, like, becomes all the more powerful from, like, a GTO perspective, like, the way it is, because every single fight, you're getting more information, and it's staggered in a way that you could rerun your stuff every single fight with updated info to get you to the most optimal lineups by the end of the night. Sure. Like, yeah. Like um, a guy who's like projected at 50% ownership comes in at 27 or something. Just let's say everyone's off. Well then you could redo your stuff with that information in mind and, and so on and so forth. And, you know, you're just trying to cash with some lineups now, you know, they have no shot, but you just like, okay, well I need, these lineups, I need these type of guys because if it gets lucky, they'll at least cash. And you're just changing the EV of all these lineups. Well, so there's I, always in the chat pushing back saying, like, how many people can actually take advantage of this dynamic? Like with regular DFS, there's levels to it, right? Like Brian, you know, or someone who has a sim taking advantage of late swap scenarios is going to be different than even someone like, you know, say Dink who plays DFS and does a lot of late swap, like MME stuff. Like he's not using a SIM, but he's still taking advantage of that dynamic to make better lineups with more information. So there's levels to it. It's so it doesn't just have to be SIM bros. It could be guys who have access to fantasy cruncher or whatever that are able to re-optimize as well, or take on more risk. Like, I don't think it's just binary. You have a SIM to crush it or you don't. And you certainly don't, if you're not going to do it, you don't want to play head to head. Like it's very easy for your opponent to just make a, a swap on you, right? So you don't want to play anything head to head three man. We already I already recommend don't play three mans, but if you do, definitely don't do it now. Like or small field, like you know ten man stuff like that. It's easy for your opponent to just go in, take a look, and be like, oh okay, he's in first, so he's probably playing the favorite in the last fight. I'll just switch to the bad guy, and then that lineup goes from totally dead to now having, you know, whatever, now low, like 25 30% equity for cashing, but that changes his EV completely and kills yours. Yeah, and it'll be it'll be really, like, do you think Neil, who I know plays a ton of MMA, just not worth it if you can't dedicate all day to it, which is what people say about NBA. It's why Ricky D said you can free your mind, you can free your soul by not playing NBA. Do you think the prize pools, like, take a hit? Do you think there are guys like you who are actually fully capable of taking advantage of this dynamic that just start sitting this out because you don't want the whatever mental and, and physical energy regarded to do it correctly. Well, he, he also said that no one will sit it out. He said, everyone will bitch and they'll still play. Um, it sounds like a lot of people will be sitting this out a little more frequently unless they have their whole Saturday open. And as me and you are well aware when inviting people on the show, DFS players have a lot of free time, so I don't know doing that. But uh, I do think some people will will stop. I, like I said, I might not do the the big the big ones now because they're so small. It's so long too. Where um, NBA also has a structured start time. Where uh, did I say NBA? NBA is a structured start time. MMA is kind of a little random. Yeah. So like if if the guy gets or girl gets knocked out in the first, there's going to be a longer break. If the, you know, in the second, it's a little shorter in the third, you got a short break. So -hmm. you really have to keep that in mind. If there was a, a, you know, a full three rounds and then the next fight gets ruled out or whatever, maybe not the next fight, but a fight down the road, you have a lot less time to change those lineups. I don't even know what that 
could be 10, 15 minutes. It just seems like a horrible idea that could piss people off too there because they'll be like, oh, my fighter's ruled out. And then they got like five minutes and then, and then they don't get it in. And now yeah. they're even more angry, you know? So it, I'm, I'm with like how Paul's saying this sounds a little tempting to just play one lineup in single entry and see how it plays out. Like if I did play, this would now be how I do it. Cause it becomes fairly yeah. obvious. It's the same way we talk about in NFL where it's like Josh Jacobs can be 45% owned at 4 PM. And it's like, well, if you're crushing early, you can let the chalk running back ride. And if you're buried, you can't fucking play a 45% owned Josh Jacobs. So you can sit around and see how your lineup's doing. And if you want to take the, what the plus 800 dog in the, in the finals, because your lineup's dusted, like then that's an obvious move for you. But it's just like, it does seem the way talking to you, how people enjoy MMA. It's like, you set your lineups and then you get to kick back and enjoy them. You don't yeah. want to be thinking about fucking GTO late swap for this. No. What was what was Saturday? It was like from five started at five and ended at eleven or something. So you get to sit at your computer for six fucking hours. Now, um, and it doesn't even have to be ruled out because, like Pete said, they could just leverage the information as it comes in with fighters winning and losing and ownership changing and stuff like that. So it's really annoying. Um, one advantage you can't have in MMA that you do in NBA is like if LeBron James is questionable, you could theoretically gamble and not play early guys and hope they don't crush. For when LeBron gets ruled out, you'll have a whole bunch of open slots to pick whoever, Anthony Davis, whoever's you know playing for him, Bruce Brown, etc. Um, you can't really do that in M- MMA. You don't like unless the reporting is really good. But I don't think I've ever seen this happen where it's like, oh, this guy might not fight tonight. Like that rarely happens. But I guess you could do that. You know, another strategy now, uh, Paul mentioned that one lineup. I guess for GPP bros, you could kind of do like three lineups and play like the first guy underdog. And then like hopefully he wins. And if he doesn't, you could just switch all the other guys to even underdogs to try to cash and like just play each fight. Like pick some early fights and then adjust based on those and then just call yeah. it a day. Here's a question for you, because like what what actually straws or straws uh stirs uh this drink for DraftKings? Because the talking point generally is you have the 150 maxers, people like you, you guys are the ones playing the rake, you guys are the ones that help keep these prize pools big, and yet the, it's clear that the, I don't know, vocal majority in this case were the casual players who are tilting their face off. Like you guys aren't DMing DraftKings, you know, asking for this kind of stuff. So like if, if DraftKings is waiting, like our MMA DFS ecosystem, what's more valuable are 150 maxers and our hardcore players or the casuals who are just putting in one lineup. I mean, this seems to tilt it and saying that they care more about those casuals, right? I Yeah. It does, yeah. I'm, I wish I wish I knew what the real behind the scenes reasoning was. Be interesting because they're public. Yeah. Whatever they say publicly is probably not going to be like, ah, oh, these idiots won't know that it's bad for them anyways. Just do it and then they'll stop complaining. Who knows what they? Who knows what their their final reasoning was? I wish they didn't do it. Like if anything, MMA could have used like a slight scoring change. Like I think like for stuffs when they when they um, stuff a takedown that should be like a point or something. Um, yeah. I think that would level of scoring out. Otherwise, it was like a really good product, and you, you set it took it took me about an hour to do all my stuff, set it, play all their turn. I played everything. I mean, they're middle, they're big, they're small. I didn't play any of their cash. Yeah. Um, so I know it, I I hate it. Do you? I I'm 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 not in the weeds enough to know like how these scratches materialize. Is there anything like with football, right, where they are man- mandated ninety minutes before kickoff to release their inactives? Well, what is how how is do you know how it works for UFC? Like when they have to like say this fight is on or or off, or is it just so random? It's random. The the reporting is not nearly as good. There's no requirements, so that's why that's why there's fights. Fighters get ruled out post post lock. Yeah. No one knew. Yeah. That's it. Cause I was just wondering, like, is there a way it could be more systemized to where maybe like similar to NFL, where there's a 1 PM and 4 PM that there's like two waves. Like you have the early wave with the prelims and that's one. And then you can late swap once before like the main card starts, like just something to reduce the like rolling nature of it. But I don't know if that solves any of the issues of random late scratches. I would take that over the yeah. switching at any time. Like, I mean, I'm assuming it's a coding thing. Yeah. I don't want to do it. I don't want to pay. 
uh, I, it's I hate it. I, I'm, I mean, I wish I would have saw that the, the original tweet. I would just give him a thanks. I hate it. Um, I don't know who likes this idea. Some people think they're going to take advantage of it. It's like, okay, maybe. It's going to be pretty tough, though. Yeah. Uh, a, lot, a lot of fighters hanging out in the Deposit Kingdom Discord. Their coach is ready to uh, to release the alpha uh, to us here for these late scratches. Did that happen? No, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> hey, we have had uh, uh, Pete get us some uh, League of Legends boots alpha. on the ground reporting from Stixay's mom. That's right. It's right. I know. I, uh, that, those, those were the golden days where I was doing, I was the Adam Schefter of League of Legends there for a little bit. Who was the right. guy that was actually the main reporter for the, like the, one of those leagues? He's like some Korean guy. He was like the, he was the true Schefter who yeah, yeah, yeah. was starting lineups. Yeah. Yeah. What was his name? Someone in the chat that. might remember oh, that. No. Guy, oh my God. Yeah. Cause like he would occasionally write in English. Kenzie. Kenzie. Yes. Kenzie. Kenzie, that was it. Lou remembers. <laughs> oh man, that was that guy was great. Uh, man, yeah. The uh, so so hang on, I think I heard you say that you might scale back some of your play. So where where are you at officially? You're not fully boycotting. I'll probably go full this Saturday. I don't think anyone's going to be going so hard. But I mean, like you could even recrunch after. Mm. I don't, I think I'm going to go at least one more week full. And then after that, I might just ditch the, 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 the three maxes, the five, five, five. Um, but I think adjusting for the huge field, it's not that hard. I already have an idea for doing a full sim for it that I think is doable. Um, uh, I just don't know if I want to prioritize that over fixing my football sim and improve my NBA some. Yeah. And yeah. And it's the other thing too, about it. And people were talking uh, in the chat. I don't know where it was um, about like, it's not just you doing your number crunching too. There is like a bit of like a hand in the dirt element to like watching all the news on this. Like if a fighter is looking iffy, then you're having to pay attention to that. Like the amount of news hawking that goes into it too. Like now you need your MMA, uh, tweet deck column up and thought like it just opens up just a massive can of worms as far as like doing it right yeah i mean it just sucks balls i don't know what else to say it yeah. sucks on so many levels i wish i wish they wouldn't do it um maybe we should all just constantly tag them to tell them to stop they have they have changed they have flipped these policies before yeah and i i really did enjoy like the only sport that I've really consistently played other than NFL DFS is MMA because it like lines up perfectly. Like I have free time on a Saturday afternoon, you set your lineups and then you, the, the dream is you check back in about 10 30 and you have a sweat for some of the final fights. Like it's such a pure like DFS thing. It like fits into your schedule nicely. And now it's like, all right, yeah. well I'm, I'm done playing this. It's probably, if you, if you drop the amount of entries you do and yeah. just, and then no one gets scratched. Yeah, it's probably just wait till the end and then go. Okay, I, I, I'm. There's, there's twenty, there's twenty favorite lineups in front of me. Probably, I'll just switch to the dog. You know, shit like that, and that's it. And call it a day. Just make your switches at the end. Well, it still goes back to the thing. There's like one. If you're truly trying to optimize everything, you need to be at your computer the entire night. It, to do even what you yeah. just described, like, yeah, you need to be watching the fights. You need to be hawking your lineups. You need to then be sitting down. Like, even that, I'm saying I'm too lazy to even do that on a Saturday night. Like, I just enjoyed being able to check my phone and be like, holy shit, if this guy wins, I'm going to win and I'm going to fire up some fucking bootleg stream and sweat it at yeah. 1130. <laughs> yeah, I'm not describing a winning strategy. I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah. if I still wanted to play and I was just a guy who kind of enters, you know, 20 lineups every other week, I would probably enter like two lineups or three lineups. Yeah. And then watch the fights, don't watch the fights, just you know, check your phone for, for people getting scratched, I guess. Yeah. But hopefully, I mean, if you're on Twitter anyways, you might see that. And then pop in at the end and then look if you're doing well and you got a shot to win, look at that lineup that's got a shot to win and then and then switch that last guy to whatever's more favorable. And that's yeah. it. And then I mean I'm not saying that's gonna win long term. Here's another thing too, is what if they do switch? So I bet a lot of people won't put the time in because they might switch back. And why would you spend all this time building out a late swap MMA sim when there's 
a reasonable chance they might stop it. So I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not starting. I'm not doing anything on it yet. But um, I bet yeah. some other guys aren't either. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like Hubert said, like, yeah, this is totally true. You could just watch the live odds. If they shift a ton, you know, something came out, but that's the point we're making is we don't want to sit around and watch live odds in Hawk Twitter, uh, MMA reporters all day. Like, yeah, that's, that's no, true. no one wants to do. Right. For sure. But even yeah. if we did, I don't think the live eyes is going to matter that much because, um, they wouldn't switch you know, they like it. The fight's not going to go off is the point. If the fight doesn't yeah. go off, like who cares what the odds are? I mean, I but, guess maybe they would. But Well, I guess one thing that I've always been surprised like hasn't really happened in it, or I guess I should ask you for your system with your sim, like for NFL, are you able to run something that would be able to pretty accurately project 4 p.m. ownership percentages based on what came in at 1 p.m.? Like do you have an automated way – to gauge or like fine tune your 4 p.m. ownership after getting 1 p.m.? Um, I don't for NFL, no. But um, I don't think it's – it's probably something I should add. But uh, I got a whole bunch of holes I'm trying to plug first. Yeah. In, in like NBA, and there's only so much time my guy can has the code. So I would like to add that, but no, I don't. And I know exactly how I would do it. Um, but also like there's, it's not, it's, it's not the, it's not apples to apples for how I do it anyways. Okay. So what do you think of like the conversation? I know Adam Levitan had a tweet, I think it was last week and you know, there's obviously been all kinds of conversation about ownership projections and also the differences and, you know, high stakes, single entry three max versus the lottos and all of that. Um, like, where are you at on, are you surprised that like the industry hasn't adopted more like dual ownership sets or more contest specific ownership sets? It seems like for them, it's just far too much work relative to what they're actually yeah. going to get back from that investment. Yeah, probably is too much work for them. I would like it. I, <laughs> I told him, Hey, do, do it. I'll help. Do I'll it. take it. You'll, you'll, you'll pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like, I'd like it. But, um, it yeah, that hasn't come out yet, has it? I mean, uh, Stochastic's got a bunch. They have a decent amount. Of, like they have late slate. They have showdowns, but only a certain size. Mm. Um, but yeah, it would be sweet to see like a single entry, a uh, small, um, a large, um, a small field high stakes would be cool. Yeah. Um, but you can make these adjustments on your own a lot easier than coming up with your own ownership. Yeah. Like you could just you could just use their ownership, build up a database of their ownership with the actual ownership and the whatever GPP you're trying to beat. So say a single entry, and then just run a regression on the results with like just uh, points per dollar, even. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe like salary points per dollar. You, you, there's some tricks you can do in there too, but and then compare it to what the actual ownership was, and then you could just use the real ownership. Apply that regression for your single entry, and right. uh, voila, you'll have close enough ownership. Right. Yeah. And to me, like, if you had to ask me, like, what would I want? Like, yeah, I, I think it's it's fairly easy to make. You know, I I have a good feel for it. If you play the same contest over and over, you kind of know, like, hey, if this guy projects at twenty percent, and like the million maker, he's going to come in at thirty five. Like, ownership condenses around the best plays. Yada yada. I think the thing that would be really interesting though was an actual math based update based on the actual ownership percentages in the 1 p.m. to then inform like the 4 p.m. because there's always like a lot of guesswork with it. And sure, you can do some math, but with the flex and there's just still enough ambiguity that it is a moving target. Yeah, and you could easily do this. You could yeah. though, like let's say that there's two games in the afternoon slate. You could take the four quarterbacks ownership in the early slate and just and just uh, and just apply it to 100 percent, right? So just and and it'll be pretty close. Yeah. Right. And, and so, I mean, I'm, this is for the afternoon slate. So like yeah. if you wanted to project the afternoon slate, just use the early slate. And so if they're like, you know, 10%, 5%, 2%, 1%, you just, those percentages out of that total and then multiply times one or a hundred depending, and it'll be close enough. 
do you know then going back to the mma thing that'll be interesting like using the example of say your your main fight final fight whatever they call it the title card if you do have a huge dog and let's just say ownership projections heading into the slate were like you know 80 percent of the people are on the favorite in lineups and 15 percent are on the the underdog and then now that you have late swap seeing what that comes in over the projected 15 percent, let's assume it was correct and knowing how many people are taking advantage of that, because theoretically, how many lineups in, I don't know, a 100,000-person contest, like, they should actually swap to that underdog, knowing that ownership percentage. Yeah. And that would give you a really good gauge of how many people are actually taking advantage of it, because then you flip over the cards, you're like, oh, this guy came in at 35%. There's a lot of people taking advantage of it. That'll be interesting yeah. to see. Yes, yes. And I'm guessing uh, um, it's not gonna. they're not going to adjust. Right, correct, properly, and it's going. You know, in the beginning here, it's going to be way off, and they're not going to adjust for it. So I would probably overcorrect in the early going, just assuming they're not going to adjust for it. So definitely yeah, don't. Yeah. Like, and this is it is for like I mean much easier. Like Brian was saying, when you can look at your opponents, right? And this is why you don't want to play the three mans and stuff, right? Because it's going to be far more exploitable for the people who are able to go through each individual one of those. Right, yeah. So, like, in, if you're in the lead in the head-to-head, head head, whatever the percentages are of the fighter's win percentage, like, you should be mixing those uh, on that proportion of who you actually end up picking. Mm-hmm. So, if it's, like, 80-20, you should be picking that 80% guy 80% of the time, and the other guy 20% of the time in, like, a perfect strategy. But in reality, you probably, in the beginning, should just do 100% the 80% guy because they're, they're not going to switch enough. The, you yeah. know, and then eventually move that over to probably like 10%. And I don't know, maybe 15 max. Like I would still just be exploitive there probably uh, for now. Um, God, it's, I, God, I hate this. I don't want to do that with MMA. I mean, it was so fun, man. Just make an hour long, sit back, turn on the big screen and watch some fights. My guys get their ass kicked, put on YouTube or something. <laughs> It is really crazy too that like uh, I actually I guess I haven't seen like have you seen I know uh, Blender had tweets out that he he hated this you hate it like are there any sim bros that are like licking their chops at this of like I'm sitting around anyways on a Saturday night let's fucking go there has to be yeah there I'll ask I'll ask a couple people I don't know I haven't really asked anyone there yeah. there's when there's money to be made. Pete, when there's money to be made, expect to be cheated and expect the sim bro to, to outwork you. <laughs> well, it then does, it goes back to kind of more of Ricky's thing with NBA, right? Like if the projections and stuff is so efficient and then it's also requiring this additional massive time investment, like what is the actual ROI? Like if let's just say now these guys have to sit around their computer for an extra five hours that were literally free for them to do whatever else. Like there's an opportunity cost. You could put an actual number on how much your time is valued there relative to what edge you're gaining. It's true. It's true. My only, I get exactly what he's saying and I'm, I'm on board for the majority of it. My only argument against Ricky's point there is for the NBA, it's about three hours, six to nine. And like, if you like work in you know a shitty job in real life and have a shitty boss and you have to commute, and you know, and it it just sucks. And then someone's complaining about making a nice living and putting in an extra three hours to do achieve that. It sounds a little entitled, you know what I mean? Like people actually have really shitty jobs out there. So like, you know, I'm still putting in that extra three hours for now. And sometimes you don't even have to do too much. Um, so. You know, come on. We're 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 pizza like a uh, what what I don't even know what you're calling yourself now. Just list, just a sports gambling what influencer, or whatever what your job I? is. <laughs> I don't what? know. No. I I don't even know how to explain it to you, Brian. So I don't blame you for. Uh, I'm a gambler. Somebody. We're lucky. Yeah. Whatever you want to call yourself, you're in the good lucky spot. So a couple extra hours, I'm fine for now. Although I do get his overall general. Uh, well, and it, 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 this, it, like this pattern for casuals too, like one of underdogs most requested features with their pick'em product was insurance, you know, it's where people wanted to have insurance when they do a five leg, you know, if only four hit that they're able to get that back and they're actually hurting their long-term EV in playing pick'ems the way the insurance is in the same way. You don't want to do insurance playing blackjack. Like it's, it's just a thing yeah. that makes us feel better. 
And so the casuals want to know. And so it's like, yeah, long-term, it's going to hurt you. Maybe if you're playing one lineup, it's not actually impacting them on these small sample sizes. But overall, for the ecosystem, it's just a double whammy, right? Because it'd be one thing if you guys were all going to continue playing and then they had their way. But if they actually lose some of their whales, mme it could just like doubly hurt the ecosystem of casuals getting it in bad and less guys even wanting to max. It, it It's, I agree. I agree with you. And like, remember pre pandemic, what was first place? Like sometimes it was like 20 grand, I think on small nights, 50 grand occasionally. I, if I recall correctly, and then they started doing a hundred thousand. They eventually had a $1 million. If you guys remember that first prize in MMA. Um, and then, so they had this, you know, kind of lucky rise in their MMA product because of the pandemic that stayed with it post pandemic. And then they fuck with it. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't yeah. make any sense to me. I hate it. I'll probably end up degening for a while and p- possibly making my own thing. I'm going to hold off on making it until they like 100%. They're not going to change. Cause I think there's a, there's a 20% chance. I don't know. They change back maybe a 30 do we, in the other one too, like I feel, I mean, I know that MMA has a huge fan base, but I assume there's an ebb and flow with the contest and interest le- relative to how good of a card it is, right? And I bet you feel the valleys more so in non-premium cards. And that'll probably be really telling to see like, I mean, when was the last time, has does DraftKings ever have overlay on some of their bigger MMA contests or do they normally always fill those? They almost always fill the MMAs. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if they get smaller, if there's a correction. Yeah. I guess time will just tell. Here's here's my first prediction. There'll be a lot more dupes because people will be just swapping, to optimizing, swapping after yeah. some fights. Well, that's what happens to me sometimes in NFL. Like, I'm dusted. I make the late swap, and then me and my, all my fellow GPP bros are making the same thing, and then the guy I swapped to is more owned than the guy I fucking swapped off of. And you're like, God damn it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> That's the part. That's the problem with GTO in a multiple yeah. opponent environment. It's really tricky, and there's not a ton you could do. Yep. So, yeah. Well, there you go. We'll we'll see how this plays out, uh, Brian. Before we get out of here, would you like to split 500k with some of our closest friends tonight? Yeah. Let's. Well, last time no one duped us, Pete. Remember? I, are we finally? You know, we've been playing a dangerous game of uh, can we build as gross of a lineup to where right. even the 155 people watching live are like, you know what? I don't want to dupe that lineup. That lineup's pretty <laughs> shitty. That's, that's, yeah. And it actually, it was a little too bad, honestly. Like we we because we the, we got we got gun shy because the week before we got like 12 dupes or eight, whatever it ended up being, and so we got a little gun shy. Went a little contrarian. Yeah, you know, as, as we're known to do here. Uh, Davis, who, uh, yeah, that was over on the Tilt Space channel. Davis got me on uh, Christian Watson in the 4 p.m. or afternoon-only slate. That was an absolute smash. Looking at, like, the Sims versus ownership that I ran earlier, Henry Lazard, Rogers, and Watson look like the best captain plays relative to uh, projected ownership. You got uh, anyone looking to the stars, any of these captains you like, or should we just captain Watson for Davis? All right, yeah, throw Watson in there. Why not? It almost guarantees a concussion for the young man, but the the classic Davis mush. It's in yeah. full effect right here. All right. Here we go. All right. And I, I will put this in uh how big is this contest tonight? Uh 117,000. I'll put this in my sheet so we can see what we're looking at. But uh Brian, what uh what pick do you want here? I want some AJ Dillon. Ooh, okay. All right, talk it out. Let me get your hand in the dirt tag. Is this because of the okay. weather here? No, it's because I got an alert to bet the over on uh, his prop rushing yards in a Discord I'm in. And so I'm yeah. like, hey, okay, it must mean he's going to do good in fantasy. I like That's it. it. Brick, I haven't Brick run anything. Brick getting inside the mind of uh, of a phone shitter lineup builder right here. I love it. Uh, and I will say, uh, you know, if you want to do get your hand really in the dirt. I remember this game. I don't know if you remember this, Brian, from two years ago. The Packers hosted the Titans, and it was a cold-weather game in December, I believe, at Lambeau. And A.J. Dillon went absolutely nuts. I think he had like 150 yards and two touchdowns against his Titans team, and they barely used Aaron Jones, who had been the lead back. This was A.J. Dillon's rookie year. The cold-weather narrative, I mean, the Packers have been going with Jones, but tonight, 
Boots on the ground says it's frigid there. We got snow. Feels like an A.J. Dillon game. Okay. Well, then I made the right pick. I think you did. <clears throat> I certainly yeah. think you did. Let, so then I feel like one of the big decision points for this slate is once Randall Cobb is declared active, he's only $200. I think he's going to be mega, mega steamed. So I feel like we should find a way to leverage everyone playing punt play Randall Cobb. All right. So if if that is the thesis here, um, why don't we play Alan Lazard? Because I think okay. a lot of people are going to want to play Watson. They're going to want to play Cobb. No one wants to pay up and play Alan Lazard. All right. And we are running out of money quickly. Yeah, so I guess there's no Derrick Henry here. Um, no. Shit. I, don't, I guess you can't even do any of the quarterbacks, huh? So the one guy that might save a salary that looked good in the Sims and is also direct leverage if you're not playing Henry is Dontrell Hilliard looks pretty good to me. Um, yeah, okay. At 3,200. Yeah, put Hilliard in there, and then let's see what, what we got left. That gives us – Okay, no, now yeah, we got we're, plenty. We're, we're good. Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Okay. Now, do we want to go 4-2 or a 5-1? So when I was looking at the early Sims, they were all like 4-2, 5-1 uh, Packers. Um, so I would say we maybe go – Go 5-1. I assume 4-2 Packers is probably going to be the most popular construction. Okay. Well, then I think we have to do Rodgers then. I mean, you want to do Rodgers, and then if we get too dupey, switch him out? Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, and then that leaves us 9,300 there. So we got Rodgers to Lazard, Watson, Dylan. I'm guessing like a kicker defense here probably helps us not be too dupey. Well, and we're going to be way under the salary too. Right. Right. So pack. I mean, or if or if you wanted to, you could do you could toss Tunyon or Dusty Sammy Watkins in there. I mean, this this lineup we're building is just like a Packers domination. So it's yeah, Packers D kind of looks pretty pretty obvious. What, what does that look like for? Uh, oh, I'm I sure mean, that, that's not going to be duped. This this is a lineup. This is how you win. This is how you win it all, right here. I'm telling. That's pretty you. shitty. What if we switched Hilliard out? Because we could go Robert Woods or Westbrook. Westbrook probably he had a huge game, right? Yeah. Um, so I put this in my spreadsheet, Brian. Mm-hmm. It's uh it's still projecting for around uh five dupes. So I mean it, it's like it's in a okay. it's in a sweet spot here. All right, that's fine. I I thought it would be one for sure. Oh no, hang on. I had an error in here. Sorry, false flag. Let me uh let me fix this. Um. Okay. No. Now now sub two sub two dupes projected. Yeah, that okay. makes more sense. I mean, this um, is this is how, and then we have to bake in. There's at least three people who are going to dupe us watching this, so it'll get us back up to five. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty shitty lineup though, so we might be in the one in the two three range, even with people duping us. Uh, oh, and I put the wrong Aaron in. Thank you, chat. There you go. We're back. In my spreadsheet, I had it correctly. Oh, okay. Oh, so we're even less. We're even lower. We're even less. I, I kind of like I'm I'm sick, but I love it. If this you like it, then, then we could play it. Because you, you can't go up to Tannehill. I would be fine with Woods or Westbrook, but. Sorry, Brian. Our fate has been sealed. All right. This is how we win. This is how we win. We build lineups so gross that our own audience doesn't want to do. No one would even want to play it. (laughs) Back to our old ways. Because it's like the meme where they go, oh, the sweat equity of joining in with Brian and Pete on a lineup build on stream doing well. And then it's like the the gnaw wave of it's so (laughs) gross that I don't even want that entertainment equity. (laughs) That's the goal. Uh, Brian, anything else going on in your neck of the woods here as we sign off? Now, we did the take cast yesterday, if people haven't listened to that, and I'll still do MMA ownership. I guess if I stop playing MMA, I'm not going to do MMA ownership. Sorry, guys. <laughs> I mean, I it, used your MMA ownership uh, last week. It It's not going to be as accurate because who knows what it's going to, you know, it's going to change throughout the slate now and stuff. So, yeah, it's still worth it to have, though, if, if, if you do keep playing it. But, yeah, whatever. Yep. Um, Lame. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People are asking about World Cup. Are you going to play uh, World Cup DFS? Is Davis going to get me in the secret chat? Yeah, Davis, let it, get us in the secret chat here. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see here. Uh, I can't believe that's starting up here. 
very soon. Um, all right. Appreciate you guys. As for me, uh, I'll be back tomorrow at uh, 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern uh, with Jam to Win to talk week 11 DFS. And then for those of you guys who are YouTube members in the Hand Builders and Opto Bros channel, I do post the, uh, the top plays uh, for each showdown slate. I pull ownership from a few different sources, compare them to the sim results. So for those of you hand building a couple lineups, I do post those for all the showdown slates. If you guys want to support the channel by becoming a member and hopping in the Discord, highly recommend it. Um, until next time, I believe we will not have a show next Thursday, but you can catch Brian, hopefully on Ship Chasing, joining us for a little, some cocktails and some goofing on Wednesday night. You think you can make that happen, Brian? I'm going to try to. We'll, we'll see. We'll it's, figure it out. But yeah, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. All right, guys. Have a good one. Talk to you later. time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.